Well, I don't know about you, but I'm really enjoying this series. It's making me think. It's also lifting my heart to worship, to remember that we adore and worship the one true God, that his son Jesus came to earth for us, that we were made in the image of God, and yet we are fallen, we are kind of marred by imperfection and sin. And today we're going to be looking at the solution to sin, the stuff, the mess in our hearts. We're going to be looking at Jesus dying on the cross for us. That act is the turning point of history. And for many of us here, it's the turning point of our lives too. What happened on the cross was central to the first Christians preaching and writing. Paul says, it is of first importance that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. And the Nicene Creed picks that up. It says, for us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. These are truths literally written in blood, his blood. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher whose followers actually planted this church many years ago, said, My entire theology can be condensed into four words. Jesus died for me. That sounds so simple and clear, doesn't it? But actually, it does raise a lot of questions. I mean, in what way can someone dying 2,000 years ago cleanse me of sin? How, How does he die for our sake? Why did he have to be crucified? Why did he have to suffer so much? And in what way is that in line, in accordance with the scriptures? What actually happened on the cross for us? Well, let's start by looking at how Paul defines what happened on the cross in Colossians 2. We're going to begin in verse 9 where Paul reminds us of who Jesus is. Colossians 2, for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. So Paul is reminding us, Jesus is the Son of God. Then he goes on in verse 13, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means He's writing to Gentiles, people who are far from God. It says, when you were dead in your sins, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and the authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. Dense passage, lots to say about that. 
And we're going to look at that. I'll try and unpack it this morning. If after my talk there are still questions for you, I'd encourage you uh, to look at the book, The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Or if you're here today and you're seeking, it's not too late to come to Alpha This week, they're going to be talking about why did Jesus die. So it's a great week to get involved with Alpha. Jesus died that we might be made alive with Christ. That people from every tongue and every nation and every tribe might be transformed from being dead to be spiritually alive. To be far from God, to come into his family, to become new creations, to be adopted, to become his children, to take part in a new covenant relationship with the holy God. But how are we made alive with Christ? That can only happen if the penalty of death, the penalty for sin is paid. And that happens when he forgives us our sins. And that is a key part of what happened on the cross. He forgave us all our sins. You know, the singer Lionel Richie was once interviewed on television by Jeremy Vine. And he told about his very poor background and how his family had struggled And then after a while, as he began to make money, and actually he evidently he's one of the most successful singers of all time and sold 100 million records, so he is a wealthy man. And one year he decided that he would give his father a very special present for his birthday. So he bought in a great big box, all beautifully wrapped up, and his father was really excited about what could this present be. As he took off the wrapping paper, there was like another layer underneath and another box and another layer. And uh, his father was beginning to think, is this some kind of prank? Is this this really a genuine present? And as he kept on taking off the layers, he came down eventually to a very small piece of paper. And on that paper, it said, all debts paid. At first, the father was a bit like, what? What's this about? And then he kind of said to Lionel, well, does that mean you've paid off my credit cards? So he said, yep, all paid. And, and what about my car loan? All paid. And, and that other stuff that I've borrowed? All paid. And my mortgage? Yeah, all debts paid. That's what's happened for us on the cross. Jesus died so that all our debts may be paid, all our sins forgiven. He cancelled all the charges against us. I don't know if you've ever been in serious debt. You've known what it's like to pay off your debts. It's such a joyous, fantastic uh, experience to be able to say all paid. I know we went through a period of serious debt and financial challenge uh, many years ago, but we knew that feeling, which is even worse, when you feel like you are never going to pay off your debts. 
where you know that unless something miraculous happens, you're cornered. You're never going to own a house again. Your credit rating is always going to be ruined. Praise God, he, he rescued us. And in the cross, he rescued all of us from our spiritual debts. They were all paid off. The cross, though, didn't just wipe out our debts. God also gave us the gift of eternal life. He made us alive with Christ. It's like he paid off all our debts and then filled up our bank account. In the cross, we experience the riches of his grace. So many blessings. We have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us if we have trusted and put our faith in Jesus and and taken the blessings of the cross for ourselves. Paul talks about having victory over the powers, the authorities, the evil one. The debt collector has been vanquished. Our accuser is in the dock. The bailiff is banned. The devil is on the run. What looked like a terrible defeat, the Son of God dying on the cross, was turned into an amazing victory because he rose from the dead and the evil one was defeated. The power of the evil one over us is broken forever. What wonderful, amazing grace. But let's take a closer look. I mean, why did Jesus have to die such a terrible death? And how does that relate to the rest of the Bible? My background is in nursing. I've worked in intensive care, and then I also worked for several years as a hospital chaplain in a big inner city hospital in the States. And we were a regional trauma center, so people would be flown in from all over the state to the hospital. So in my day-to-day work, I experienced lots of joy seeing people get better, go home, but also many moments of crisis and sadness. And to be honest, blood and gore. You know, my husband doesn't even like to watch Casualty on telly. And so when I would reflect back to him, when he would say, oh, how was your day? I would have to filter that and think, okay, how am I going to describe what has happened to me, what I've seen in the hospital today. And you know, as Christians, when we talk about the cross, we sometimes have to kind of filter out all the language because it is quite brutal. But to truly understand the imagery of what Jesus has done for us on the cross, we're going to have to talk about sacrifice and punishment. The fact that his body was broken for us. His blood was spilt for us. We're talking about the cross, and it's an instrument of death and torture, central to our faith. So that is a little bit weird, but stay with me, because this imagery helps us understand the marvelous work of the cross. You know, the Bible doesn't really describe crucifixion in detail because everyone in those days knew how horrible a death it was. 
In Jesus' time, it was the execution method that the Romans used to oppress and terrorize people. I mean, it struck fear into people's hearts like an ISIS beheading video would do for us today. It was a brutal method of killing people. Those who were crucified were naked and humiliated, and they died a slow, torturous, painful death. But that death, that particular death on the cross, has significance. And it was foreshadowed in the scriptures. And I want to look at three ways in particular. Jesus died on the cross as a sacrifice. He died taking our punishment. And he died suffering for us. In the Old Testament, there's a lot about sacrifice. There were all kinds of laws that were there to try and help people follow the holy God. And there were practices, sacrifices that had to be made if you broke those laws. You would go to the temple, you would buy an animal, you would confess your sin over that animal, and metaphorically your sin passed to that animal who was then killed and sacrificed and their blood was spilt. Now, people knew, in a sense, that that didn't solve everything because it didn't change people's hearts. And the writer of Hebrews, when he looks back on the sacrificial system, he sees that Jesus fulfilled it all. Many times in Hebrews, it says that Jesus' death was a sacrifice offered once and for all. It secured Forever, our eternal redemption. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. He was the perfect lamb sacrificed for us once and for all. On the cross, Jesus also took our punishment. In the Old Testament, being nailed to a tree, being hanged on a tree, was considered one of those deaths that was cursed. It was unacceptable. It cut you off from God. It was a cursed death. Jesus died as a criminal, although he was innocent. He died outside the city. He was cut off. But it went deeper than that because Jesus on the cross actually experienced the punishment that was due us. He said that he felt abandoned. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken us? He took on himself the punishment that we deserved. He was cursed and rejected by God on the cross. The holy wrath of God fell on him on our behalf. I mean, that is astounding, and amazing. I guess Jesus could have died in another way. He could have died in a way that didn't involve so much suffering. But the fact that he suffered on the cross is very much in line with the scriptures and what was foretold. At that time, the Jews never expected their Messiah to suffer a humiliating death. 
But the first Christians soon realized that this was key to understanding the cross. And they looked at passages like Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, and they saw that actually the Messiah was to suffer and that in his sufferings, he would take on our transgressions. By his wounds, we would be healed. What strikes me when you look at Isaiah 53, so familiar to many of us, is that we are in every phrase. It says things like he was pierced for our transgressions. He was wounded that we would be healed. The first Christians knew that although Pontius Pilate had condemned Jesus to death and the Romans had carried out the death penalty, actually the whole community had put him to death and nailed him to the cross. And if we'd been there, we would have been guilty too. Paul in Galatians said, the son of God loved me and gave himself for me. If you had been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. He died for our sakes. He took on the cross our suffering. It was a redemptive suffering. It wasn't pointless. As he suffered in some mysterious, deep, cosmic way, he was achieving our salvation, our forgiveness, our healing. We don't deserve this. We can never earn it. We can never repay. This is grace from beginning to end. I want to read Isaiah 53, and as I read it, I want you to let the words soak in to your heart. This is what he did on the cross for us. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he didn't open his mouth. After he has suffered... He will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many and he will bear their iniquities. In this magnificent passage, we see Jesus foretold as the one who would offer himself as a sacrifice for sin that though he was innocent, he would take rejection and punishment, that he would suffer so that others could be forgiven, justified, healed, and find peace with God. Oh, the wondrous cross. Oh, the wonder that the Prince of Glory would suffer like this for us, for our sakes. So how should we respond to that? Well, if you're here seeking, asking questions, maybe you think uh, you believe 
in God, but you're not really sure what to make of all this, of the cross, I would encourage you to just take some minutes now to stop and think about what Jesus did. Ask yourself, was he just a good man? Was this just an example of an innocent man suffering a miscarriage of justice? Or was something more happening? What was going on for us on the cross? When Peter explained that to the people on the day of Pentecost, when he told them about what Jesus had done on the cross, they they called out and they said, if that's true, what should we do? And he said, very simply, repent and believe. Repentance means that you admit you've done wrong. You know, like people who manage debt, it's coming to the point of saying, I can't manage this. It's having consequences in my life. I need it solved. Maybe on the outside, you might look really good. But is selfishness and pride, is it ruining your life on the inside? The Bible makes it clear that all of us have sinned. All of us have affected by sin. We have fallen short. If we're honest, even we've fallen short of our own ideals. But certainly we've fallen short of the standards of God's holiness. We need to repent. We need to admit we're wrong. We need to say sorry and turn away from that. But we also need to believe in the solution. Believe in Jesus. Recognize our sin, but also recognize that his death in the cross, on the cross, does something. It changes everything. It opens up the way for us to be forgiven and cleansed and set free and made alive in him because he took the punishment we deserved. We can be made alive spiritually. He has done it. It is finished once and for all. The penalty was paid. You know, when you're in debt, sometimes you just won't offer, you won't accept help that has been offered to you because of pride and embarrassment. Imagine if Lionel Richards' father had said, no, I'm not going to take this, you know, I'm going to pay off my own debts. You know, it'll take me 10 or 15 years, but I, I think I can do it. That would be ridiculous. His son had vast resources and his son loved him and wanted the best for him. And our Father God loves us. He wants to free us from the debt of sin and offer us new life today. You can respond to him today. If you're a Christian, do you remember that day when you first repented And believed when you first saw what Jesus had done on the cross for you, a wonderful day. But the story doesn't end there. It's interesting that many people wear crosses, and sometimes churches have crosses up on the walls to remind us about what Jesus had done. But Jesus himself commands us to remember his death through the breaking of bread. We're going to do that later together. Because on the very night before he was going to the cross, when he knew that he would be betrayed, when he knew that he would suffer, when he knew that he would 
have to take on board the wrath, the punishment that we deserved. He took bread. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, take, eat. This is my body. My body broken for you. And he took the wine and he said, drink. This is the blood of the covenant for the forgiveness of your sins. What a wonderful moment. And he asks us to remember his death. There's a sense of joy and gratitude when we remember. There's a sense of sadness and somberness of thinking what he suffered for us. There's a sense of commitment. If he did this for us, then we need to respond with love and willingness to say yes to him. Jesus himself said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. And for different ones of us, that will mean different things. Maybe you're going to respond today by saying, I'm going to worship you more. You died for me. Maybe it's deciding to get baptized and make a stand, make a public declaration that you believe that Jesus died for you. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's uh, getting involved in community because you want to share that life of Christ with others. But the cross demands a response from us. Maybe today you need to experience again the power of forgiveness, the freedom from fear and condemnation and guilt, the knowledge that the devil is defeated, that you can stand firm in victory and know that on the cross it is finished. All was done for your salvation. Let's respond to that. I'm going to pray and we are going to worship and break bread together. Lord, it's amazing what you did for us on the cross, that you sacrificed your life. You took the punishment we deserved. You allowed your body to be broken, your blood to be spilt, that we might be forgiven and given New life, eternal life, freedom from fear, victory over the evil one. Lord, we respond with worship and love and devotion. Come close to us now as we celebrate all that you've done for us on the cross. Amen.